Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development advisor and NLP trainer here, and welcome to episode 136 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast intended to help us have the best quality life and relationships that we can. So welcome to today's episode, episode 136, entitled Family Roles and Family Anxiety. Um, Our family system has a kind of an its own emotional field, its own emotional climate. And as we grew up, we learnt how to be an individual, but also how we needed to fit into that climate. And as children, we certainly had to comply because if we didn't follow the guidelines in the family, this could mean we'd be abandoned, this could mean we'd be punished, shamed, criticised, guilted, and... So we grow up in this emotional climate, it shapes us, um, it becomes so habituated and it's just so um, invasive, it's like the air that we breathe, that it starts to really feel like us and one of the ways that we get to more maturity is when we realise how we're responding to the system we grew up in, not necessarily responding to self. We're not responding to a healthy, mature self but rather we're complying to a system at the cost of self. Um, If you want kind of a bit of a reference of what I'm kind of talking about here, because in effect what we're talking about is is as if we were a fish swimming in polluted water all our life, but because that's all we've known, we don't know anything else. Um, But you, you may get a glimpse of this or start to get a better idea of this if you think about having ever visited a friend's family home and you almost straight away, you know, maybe that family just had an argument. Um, And as you walk in, you can literally feel the energetic charge. You can feel the atmosphere. Or if you're at dinner and you watch a couple argue and straight away you pick up on the energetic um, um, offshoot of, of that interaction. That's the kind of thing that we grew up in in our family system, but we it was so much around us, maybe we got more aware of it as a intensity and anxiety increased. And then depending on how dysfunctional, uh, how rigid our system was, we, we need to find a way to comply and fit in that system. And even how do we mold ourselves to the service of the system? And so one of the aspects I wanted to talk about relative to that is this idea of family roles. Um, Family roles comes from, emerged out of the study of alcoholics and the family system in which they existed and how they found often that it took a whole family to keep an addiction going because we all mould and shape in certain roles um, as we fit around the addict, so to speak. Um, and what's our what's our role within the family system for that? Are we the enabler? Are we the one who covers up? Are we the one who um, gets self righteous and critical of the alcoholic? 
Um, are we the one who um, uh, chronically tries to rescue the alcoholic? Um, how do we fit in and how do we adjust? And this is where the idea of kind of family roles came from. And the idea behind family roles is we – I'll go through the roles in a moment, and I've, I've I covered this, I think, in about episode eight way back when, um, um, but I wanted to revisit this idea relative to how we fall into these roles to manage the anxiety in our family system, um, rightly or wrongly, um, or healthily or unhealthily, so to speak. Um, and as I say, if we've learned to fit into certain ways of adapting, um, we, we've, got, we've got certain responses that we drop into relative to when the anxiety increases and maybe we've gone into the role because we've unconsciously recognised the anxiety increase even before we've picked it up at a conscious level. So what are we, what are we talking about here? Perhaps, perhaps to give you an example of some of these roles. Well, one of the roles we can go into is the hero role. Or, or the over-functioning role. This is the person who maybe because the system is not performing, they are the they be as a result they become the one who carries the pride of the family, and they get their value, their recognition, and they fit in the family by being the one who achieves. Um, maybe they become the sports star, maybe they become the music prodigy, maybe they, they're the intellectual whiz in the family, maybe um, they're, you know, they're, they're winning all the academic awards, um, they're, they're, they, they take on the star role um, and we can all get behind them and they bring pride to the family um, and uh, this is a very socially acceptable role of adaption within our culture. Um, and if we're not, you know, but, but the downside of that is that we can feel terribly pressured to always be, to always achieve. The only way I, what I learned is the only way to manage stress and anxiety in me and my family was to keep winning, to keep achieving, keep working, keep striving getting higher and higher, achieving greater and greater accolades. And it can be very lonely, very pressurized and very, I can feel a massive amount of pressure to continue to, to be the golden child, so to speak. Um, nothing wrong with healthy achieving. That's fine. But when it becomes an idea that we're, our, our self-identity and our anxiety management are dependent on continuing to achieve, then we've got some problems. Or um, like I said, our, we feel that that's that's the way of taking the intensity off our family because oh look at such and such aren't they wonderful we're so proud of such and such they're on the honor roll at college blah 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 um, so there's one thing that we can do we can become the family hero we can become the golden child um, or perhaps we become the caretaker the one who's responsible for caring and rescuing and nurturing the family because the system seems to be quite devoid of that. So we we take up that role. We anticipate everybody else's needs. We bend over backwards to make sure everybody's okay. We emotionally rescue people. We're very uncomfortable if people are in their own pain. We become a chronic advice giver. Um, and, and that's our job is to pick everyone up, is to carry everybody, to carry the emotionality of the, you know, again, I might over-function and over-deliver and meet everybody else's needs. And then I become resentful in myself because I give beyond what I can give. 
um, and and it doesn't ever seem to come back the other way. That's the downside. And then I learn to become an expert at anticipating your needs even before you consciously recognize it. So I deprive you of the opportunity of developing yourself and developing your maturity and your capability and your ability to recognize and deliver on your own needs. I keep you helpless, but I reduce the anxiety of the system by by giving. I, I can't stand anxiety in the system. So I go into chronic rescuing and chronic giving, and then I create victims and needy people all around me. Um, and the hero can be the same because, again, these two roles tend to be quite uh, culturally uh, appropriate. Um, but they come at a very high cost. If we, you know, there's a difference between being a healthy carer and only doing what we want to and what we are what what doesn't overly tax us and we're not doing for people what they could be doing for themselves and and inadvertently weakening in the long run and i'm not giving i'm giving because i care and i want to support but not to reduce my own anxiety and stress um because um I'll, I'll stop you suffering because I'm suffering watching you suffer. I, I can't stand the discomfort, so I'm going to I'm going to prematurely take it away, which can be very depriving of some very of really developing functionality um, in the system as a whole. Um, so again, these roles have an upside and a downside depending on how we kind of how we kind of use them in the system. Um, then of course we could become the family scapegoat. In order to take the focus off the pressure of the system entirely, what we can do is project all the dysfunction onto one individual. Um, so the power of the scapegoat in the family is they're the black sheep, they're the mess, they're the one that everybody worries about. And while I fixate on you, the, the, the person that seems to be failing and making a mess of their life and constantly in trouble, that stops me from the anxiety, you know, that takes me out of focusing on myself it takes me out of focusing on how the system is contributing. How how is this one person taking on all the ill will, all the negativity of the system? This can sometimes happen when a child goes into this role. They be chronically underfunction. They chronically misbehave as a result of sucking up the dysfunction. You know, it takes the attention off their parents who need to look at themselves and their relationship and their behaviour. But now we get to we 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 get a um. We get distracted away from the real causes of issues because now we're all fixated on one person. So the scapegoat, if the scapegoat is done in a healthy way, this is the truth teller. This is the challenger of the system. If it's not done in a healthy way, then this is the person that takes all the negativity, toxicity and dysfunctional focus off the whole system and it gets put on this person. And in healthy, really unhealthy systems, somebody will get chronically stuck in this role. And even as an adult, when they leave the original family, they're unable to shake the role. Um, same with if we take the hero role or the caretaker, we leave our family of origin and we go out into our, our adult relationships and we can't get free enough to express our own genuineness, our own individuation, because we're so chronically stuck in these particular roles. In a healthier system, we tend to move about. Sometimes I, I'm I'm the 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 achiever and getting the accolades and acknowledgement, and then other times it goes to somebody else. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm the one providing care and nurture, but then somebody else gets a chance at that. The roles are more fluid and movable because from time to time, if we talk about scapegoat, we all make a miscalculation, we all make a mistake. Um, but if it's always fixed on somebody, that's that's actually a sign that the system itself 
needs looking at, not the person who's the kind of piece of misdirection. They, you know, we, we're looking in the wrong place if we're focused always entirely on and, and, and chronically worrying about one individual in the family system that says, okay, um, we're, we're, not, we're not at the right point. And the same goes in terms of when we're talking about business systems, they're exactly the same. When certain people bob into very extremely and very overtly these roles, for when I'm talking to business leaders, that's often a clue, okay, how is the system as a whole contributing to these people popping up very distinctly in these roles? Um, because if we look at these individuals, then we're distracted, we're not in the right place. So this can equally translate itself to business systems. And if we're not doing these, maybe we're what's called the mascot, the person who breaks the tension by being the clown, the entertainer. Um, uh, so their job is to kind of lighten the mood, so to speak. Um, and that can be on the healthy side. If we've got lightness, we've got playfulness and curiosity in the system. These are wonderful, wonderful things. But if humor is used inappropriately to avoid looking at the things we need to look at, to brushing over the things we need to, to address, then, then that's not ideal because that, that keeps the chronic problems of the system going. So we need to know when humor is appropriate and when it isn't. And the problem for the person in the mascot role is if they get too locked into this role, the problem for them is nobody takes them seriously. Um, hey, they're a real great clown, they're a real entertainer, but really, um, when you try to be serious, everybody just dismisses it um, because that's not the way they, they don't want to see that side of you. So this is where um, mascot, again, can be very helpful or it can be used in an unhelpful way to keep the dysfunction of a system, be that a family or a business going. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the other one that we can utilize here is the one we call the, the lost child. This is the person that sort of, their role is to go invisible. That, you know, when the family's suffering from these issues of enmeshment and closeness that play out in these kinds of ways, then somebody has to kind of um, hold up the, um, the individual, you know, they, they, they are forced due to closeness into swinging in the polarity of unhealthy separateness. You know, I'm the one who never shows up to family functions. I'm the one that's always in my room, never interacting. I hide out in fantasy and creativity. Um, and fantasy, creativity, and indiv healthy individuation are vital to a, a, a really healthy family system. If we're too close, then that's a measurement. That's not a healthy togetherness. So we need to understand the difference between too much separateness compared to healthy separate healthy separateness too much togetherness compared to healthy togetherness. And if someone's chronic in this role, then um, how this can play out um, for the lost child on the downside is you, 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 you always feel like you're on the outer, that you're invisible in your own family, or um, you're always getting overlooked, or in a business, you're always getting overlooked for promotions. You might be doing great work, but no one tends to uh, ever give you the, the, the recognition or the accolades that uh, or the promotion that you deserve, um, and and that that can foster a chronic loneliness and disconnect. Um, and the other one, again, if we're talking about um, family systems, is is what we call surrogate roles, where we get into inappropriately close emotionality, 
um, um, with with uh, another family member because that family member is missing it somewhere else. Customarily, if we're talking about this in family systems, it's where uh, one of a child becomes a parent's confidant and emotional outlet um, because that's lacking between you know, let's say, for example, the examples, mum and dad, and they're lacking emotionality, they're lacking comfortableness with genuine intimacy. So instead, they start to confide and pal around and spend more time and and um, discuss things with their children that probably are discussions that are way more productive and vital, but maybe more anxiety producing if they actually had them with their spouse. So that we we tend to take up the emotional slack in the a child is drawn in to take up the emotional slack between uh, where the intimacy gap is between a couple um, and this can put a lot of pressure onto a child because they can feel like they've got to solve their parents problem they can also feel falsely empowered because they're privy to information that they probably shouldn't be privy to they might be forced into a um, overly negative opinion of their their other parent because they want to side with the the, the parent that's um, using this inappropriate dynamic this triangle so to speak to rather than addressing the lack um, and their own anxiety in a healthy functional way by talking to their partner um, you know instead we're we're colluding with one of our our children and and that can go on long after the child leaves home they're still you know we're still ringing them and complaining about our other half um rather than so we get in the way of that child then going out and having their own genuine intimacy with somebody else because they're still enmeshed in the t in, and and tied inappropriately to one of their parents um and this is sometimes evident when um you still see parents of adult people, adult children, you know, insisting on being called every day. Um, that would probably indicate to me that, that that there's some that they're using that as a way to cover off the gap in their own uh, relationship or in their own um, emotionality that they don't want to address and feel for themselves. I'm using one of my children to do that. So that that's the other role. So again, we've got the, the hero role we can go into. We've got the caretaker role we can go into. We've got the lost child. We've got the, the, the mascot, the scapegoat, or, or the surrogate, um, uh, what's called the surrogate spouse. These, these are roles that we can fit into in order to help reduce the emotional anxiety in the family and so if we find ourselves really going into one of these roles then we need to look at okay what's what's taking me in here and what in the system itself needs addressing um, are there things that need to be called out are is the family going through some pressure maybe the death of somebody and we're not dealing with it helpfully instead we're going into these roles to manage what we're going through we're going into chronic busyness we're judging each other for you know oh you're not grieving properly you're not facing this the way you should any of these kind of over fixations on the other members of the family are, are signs that probably we're best served to come back into self if we're too attached to giving unsolicited advice and demanding other family members change, that's probably more a sign that we're, we're actually, when we're doing those things, we're contributing to the family reactivity, not taking away from it, rather than coming back and looking at our own responses and owning those first. 
observing where we are in the family, what's going on, and then how do we start to have the conversations that are going to start to tidy those up and making sure we're not going back into reactivity or roles because then we're just going to get more of the same. Um, so this is um, something that I think is um, well worth looking at. Um, I've got some material up on my website on roles if you want to know a bit more about it then please come and visit us at the website, emergencetraining.com.au. Um, but I really think this is this is an area that needs to be, that we need to be mindful because this could really get in the way of us expressing and being connected to our genuine self rather than our compromised, adapted self um, that, you know, as a way of, and, and again, it, it, it gets in the way of our developmental maturity. Um, but we it can promote provoke anxiety when you know the, the thing about these roles sometimes is they're very familiar they're very comfortable to us and when we start to break out of those roles we have to be okay to take our time to learn how to be something else how, how to learn how would I express myself differently as a more mature adult rather than going to the good old tried and true way of being a rescuer in my family um, and sitting with the discomfort of that while I learn not to mention if that triggers the reactions of others because I'm not doing what they're used to me doing. Um, and, and how do I learn how to come back into the system and be connected more from a place of genuine, mature self than one of these roles? Because I think ultimately the family is better served if we're doing those things over the, uh, over the long term. Um, lots more that could be said about this, but uh, but there you go. Um, again, if you want to check out episode eight from way back when, that also looks at this um, family systems, family roles kind of element. If that adds some extra distinctions for you, um, then wonderful. Um, but I, I think it's, it's a valuable framework for looking at um, how, as an individual, we contribute in healthy or unhealthy ways to our family system or our workplace system. Um, so there you go. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope it gave you food for thought. Um, as always, if you've been listening from wherever you are in the world, if you've been listening along uh, to the show for a period, a long period of time or right from the beginning, thank you as always. If you've just joined us, welcome. Um, the way you can support the show uh, if you found it valuable, is please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to find. Um, also, the show is available on Stitcher, Podbean, and other podcast mediums, and at the website, emergencetraining.com.au. Um, so as I say, um, hope this helps. Hopes it gives you some food for thought, a different way to sit in non-judgmental, non-reactive observation of the family system. Uh, for the order of having even more wonderful, genuinely connected relationships going forward. Um, and thanks for listening. So until we're with each other on another episode, bye for now.